0: Anybody buy gas this week? No, I wish I could say no. $3.69. Okay, I won. I, got, I spent the most. <laughs> got, to, got to get up early and go to Costco and get in line with Dave. So, I was looking back in some records I have, and in 2008, I was paying $1.67 for gas. You didn't, you didn't want to know that, right? And... Uh, so you bought gas this week, right? Some of you did. I heard one no from over there somewhere. But most of us bought gas this week. Why? Why did you buy gas? Did you just have this deep desire to go to the gas station? You just felt this, this draw, this attraction. You needed to be there. There was something inside of you that just drew you to go to that gas station. Deep desire to be there, right? No. So why did you go to the gas station this week? Didn't want to be there. Didn't want to spend three sixty nine for a gallon of gas. So why'd you go? Because you were getting low on fuel. I heard a voice right here said low on fuel. You were running out of gas. Tank was getting low. And if you're like me, well, you're probably not like me, because my dad, when he taught me to drive back in 1965... Uh, one of the things my dad said to me was, it's just as easy to keep the top half of the tank full as the bottom half. And so because of that instruction 55 years ago, um, I find myself, once that needle dips below half, I start thinking about, you know, get, getting gas. Um, my good friend Wayne Eyre, who pastored here back at, oh, 15, 13 years ago, something like that. I remember Wayne telling me one time that his nickname at Bible College was running on Empty." Because he didn't have a whole lot of money, and so he would buy gas like a dollar or two at a time. And his buddies were always having to go out and help him and push him into the gas station, and they nicknamed him Running on Empty. And so, you've, have, have any of you experienced the walk of shame? Where you take the gas tank out of the trunk of your car and you have to walk to the gas station. <laughs> <call> <laughs> You, you and I call Auto Club, there's other people that don't do that. Uh, but I've, I've, I've done the walk of shame once. I've done the walk of shame one time. So what lesson did I learn from that walk of shame? Keep the tank full. Keep gas in the tank. And so this morning, more important than running out of gas for your car is running out of gas spiritually. Being running running on empty spiritually. And so Jesus teaches us some critical lessons this morning about how to keep yourself from running on empty. We've suggested that our theme this year is following Jesus, right? And our ambition, this verse here says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That's our our, our of our vision for 2021 to be a little bit more like Jesus, follow him a little more closely, love him a little more deeply. You've heard me express that multiple times, I hope. And so there's there's critical lessons for us to learn as we look at the life of Jesus this morning in Mark chapter one. And uh, some of you are going to be delighted to know that next Sunday we're going to. Nope, not next Sunday. In two weeks, we're going to be in chapter two. So we'll really be rolling then. But in Mark chapter one. As we come to this portion beginning in verse 35, remember that last week we, we looked at this passage where, where Jesus uh, taught in the synagogue. He exercised authority over those, those teachers, the scribes, the Pharisees. He exercised authority over demons and casting out the demon, the, the demon-possessed man in the synagogue. Uh, He demonstrated authority over disease as he left the synagogue and healed Peter's mother-in-law and then healed the multitudes that came to him. And verse 35 says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go someplace else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. And so here's Jesus following this this day of, of busy activity, up early, going out to do what? To spend time with his father. And there's, there's at least three big lessons here that impress me as I reflect on that moment in Jesus' life. The first thing that impresses me is that quality time alone with his Father was a priority for Jesus. Top of the list. He had lots of reasons to sleep in that morning, didn't he? He was up late the night before. All, multitudes of people coming to him. It was a busy day, starting the synagogue, and then the, the, the healing Peter's mother, mother-in-law, and then the multitudes. Uh, it was a busy day. He was tired. It was a late night. But Jesus, the text says, got up early. He went out early. How early was it? What does your text say? How early was it? It was before light. It was still dark. And in Roman time, they divided the night up into watches. You have the first watch of the night, the second. And so early morning would be classed as the third watch of the night. Typically, that would be 3 to 6 a.m. And if it was still dark, which end of that window of time was he probably in? Probably early. And I'm I'm not saying this to give you guilt, because I don't get up at 3 o'clock and pray in the morning, right? But... It was, it was priority enough for Jesus that it was the very first thing He did after one of the busiest days you will ever see recorded in Scripture. First thing in the morning, He went to pray. It was a priority. So, He goes out early. He goes away from all the busyness and all the activity. He leaves that behind him and, and goes out alone. He goes early, he goes away from the busyness and activity, and he goes alone. If you're like me, and maybe you're not, but if you are, you find yourself drawn more to busyness and activity than you find yourself drawn to solitude. Anybody like that? Just me in the room? I'm the only one? I'm the only one, okay. Um, But, so, Jesus goes early, early, early morning... He goes and leaves all the busyness, all the activity, isolates himself, and he goes out alone. And if you read other scriptures that talk about times that Jesus went alone to pray, uh, Dr. Luke says in one of the passages, he went to the Mount of Olives to pray as was his habit. Jesus had as a priority in his life to spend quality time with his father. And so in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, so if Jesus, Jesus, the God man, needed quality alone time with his father, how much more do I need that in my life? Huh? How much more do you need it in your life? A lot more. A lot more. And so this is a this is a huge priority in Jesus life. And multiple times, if you're reading through the Gospels with me, you'll, you'll notice this if you're paying attention. Multiple times, Jesus goes off by himself to pray. Oftentimes, it even identifies kind of the reason or the uh, the rationale for doing that, at least as I read the text. Uh, one of the times where Jesus went off to pray was the night or the early morning before he chose the twelve. And you find the twelve apostles listed and he's preparing to send them out to heal and to preach. And he spends that evening or that morning before that in prayer. Now, last Tuesday morning, our men's Bible study, were looking at a passage of Scripture where Jesus fed the 5,000 and then sent the disciples out onto the, the Sea of Galilee in their boat, and he went up to the mountain to pray, just alone. Quality time alone with his Father. How important should that be in your life, in my life? If it was that important to Jesus, how important should it be? Pretty important. It's interesting to me that the disciples had a different agenda. The disciples had a different priority. If you read the text carefully, uh, it says they searched for him. So he he wasn't easy to find. Is kind of the implication, right? I mean, he wasn't just outside of the house. He went a distance away and they had to go hunt and find him. And that word search, that word searched in the original language has the idea of of intensity. It was an intense search. Why was it intense? They couldn't find him. And when they finally find him, what's their agenda? Hey, you need to come back. There's a whole bunch of people here that need to be healed. You need to get back here. Their agenda was the activity. Their agenda was ministry, doing it. Jesus' priority and agenda was what? Time with his Father. And there needs to be a balance in in your life and my life. And like I said, I find myself more quickly drawn to activity and busy stuff than I do to that solitude alone time. For Jesus, it was a priority. His disciples had a different agenda. And it's fascinating to me that when the text says, when they they tracked Him down and they found Him, Jesus says, let us go somewhere else. He's not going back where they want Him to go. He's not going back to the masses that are gathering. What's He going to do? He says, I need to go preach. Why? That is what I came for. So, the disciples' priority, the disciples' agenda was healing, miracles. Jesus' agenda was what? God's truth. God's message. And so as I read this passage and I'm paying attention to these words, it strikes me that hearing God's word, spending time with God, is more important than healing. The ministry of preaching and communicating and heralding God's Word was more important to Jesus than healing miracles. You'll find in our culture today, there's many people that it's far more important to them to focus on supernatural stuff, healings, miracles, rather than getting excited about God's Word and God's truth penetrating into the lives of people. Jesus had His priorities in the right place. The disciples didn't. And I would suggest to you this morning that we need to be careful in our lives to have our priorities in the right place. It is critical. If it was critical for Jesus, if it was a priority for Jesus to spend time with His Father, each one of us should be making that a priority in our lives. Does that make sense? It does to me. The second thing that impresses me in this passage is not only... Was this a priority for Jesus? Spending time with his father was a priority. But it was his plan to do this. He planned to spend time with his father. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't just kind of happen in spare time. I got an extra 15 minutes. Maybe I'll pray. Jesus had a plan. It was intentional to spend time with his father. And there's, there's times in my life where, where prayer is kind of spontaneous. Um, I pray often while I'm driving. I pray often while I'm riding my bike. I don't close my eyes. Is that okay? Um, and those are kind of more spontaneous times where I'm out and I'm thinking. My brain is on you know full drive. Any of you ever have trouble shutting that thing off at night? You know My brain just goes full blast and... And I'll find myself drawn in those moments spontaneously to pray. That's good, right? The scripture, I read somewhere something about pray without ceasing kind of an idea. And so that's a good thing. But I look at Jesus' example and Jesus' model, and he intentionally went off by himself, away from the busyness, away from the activity, to spend time with his father. He had a plan to do that. And I would suggest to you this morning that without a plan, the odds of it happening get significantly reduced, right? If I don't have that as a plan in my life, that every day I have a plan. Every day, this is what I'm going to do. Right now, my plan is pretty simple because, because I'm asking you to read through the Gospels. Guess what I'm doing? So every morning, I have to read three chapters, right? Yesterday, I had to read four, <laughs> If you fall behind, just read a chapter or pick up and keep going. It's not that big a deal. Um, have you skipped any chapters? Don't answer. I have. You know, I've gotten lost in the weeds and lost a couple of chapters. and That's okay. Just keep reading. Read, read, read. Quality time alone with the Father. Scriptures, three chapters in the Gospels, and then prayer. That's kind of my plan right now. I have different plans all the time, but that's my plan this year. And uh, Jesus had a plan, and, and I see that in this passage. It wasn't an accident. It was clearly, clearly intentional that he was going to do this. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? That's... Not only was this a priority for Jesus, this quality time with his Father, not only was it his plan, but this quality time alone with the Father had a purpose for Jesus. There was a reason why he did this. And the glimpses we get into Jesus' prayer life, what strikes me is Jesus' purpose was focused on relationship, not asking for stuff. If, if you're like me, we, 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 we have a tendency to kind of lean a little heavy on the asking for stuff side, right? Right? I, I do. I, I, I ask for stuff. My friend Roger tells me all the time whenever we talk about prayer, he says, I feel real guilty asking the Lord for things for me. I'm good praying for other people, but I have trouble asking for stuff for me. Well, I think if you read through the Bible, you'll see that uh, you know, Jesus asked for stuff. Apostle Paul asked for stuff you know, for himself. Apostle Paul prayed, Lord, take this thorn away from me. You know, that, that was a personal thing. But Jesus was focused on relationship. Not asking for stuff. And I I would suggest you there needs to be a balance. It's okay to ask for stuff, right? You know, the group that gathers with me on Sunday morning before church, uh, we pray together. Uh, we try to... We try to do some relation stuff, praying with our Heavenly Father before the service. But we're all also asking for stuff. We're, at, we're praying for our worship team. We're praying for you as you interact with worship and with my message. Um, we're asking God for stuff, but that's okay. But I look at Jesus and His purpose in prayer, and it just strikes me that it's about relationship. Someone has said that we should seek God's face... Not just seek His hand. And that kind of captures it uh, for me. Relationship. Relationship. And if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy, right? I've told you more than once, I listen to Southern Gospel in my car station I listen to. And there's a song that's been playing the last several weeks. Uh, it, and it says, if you have time to worry you have time to pray. And I've heard that phrase so often in the last few weeks, I just think, you know, there's wisdom in that. If you have time to worry, you've got time to pray. Jesus had a priority, Jesus had a plan, and there was a purpose in His prayer. And so my suggestion to you this morning is, if we're going to effectively follow Jesus... And serve him well. We need to be a little bit more like Jesus when it comes to our prayer life. May need to be a lot more like Jesus when it comes to our prayer life. Quality time alone with the Lord needs to be a priority. I need to have a plan. And I need to have a purpose, relationship as well as stuff. And to kind of keep that in balance. And so, as I think about that, the question I asked you this morning, how do you, compare with, how do you compare with Jesus? Well, boy, that's a tall order to compare yourself with Jesus, right? But here's this prayer life as Mark expresses it in this brief little description. Busy day, late night, priority first thing in the morning, a plan to go away by himself. How do, how do I compare to that in my life? Do I value that time alone with the Lord as a priority in my life? Do I have a plan? Do I have that purpose of balance, relationship and stuff? And so I, I, I did this little graph and it says, how would you rate your time with your Father, How would you rate your time with your Heavenly Father? Is your time with the Lord quality time like Jesus? And so if, you're, if your quality time isn't very quality, then you're all the way down here to one. And if you're really, really on the top of the game, you're a ten. And most of us probably would honestly say we're somewhere in between. Hopefully not all the way down here. But is it a vital part of my life every day? To spend quality time alone with the Lord. Is that, is that something that's vital? What does that word vital suggest to you? Important? Critical? Necessary? Absolutely. Um, is it something that I'm faithful with? You know, is that something I do on, on, on a daily, daily basis? Have to, Kathy. <laughs> Amen. So, how, how do So, how do you engage in the Christian life Where do you find strength and power and ability to live the life that God calls us to before a lost world? Where do you find that? God's presence. Where do you find the ability to serve the Lord, to minister, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class or serving in some other capacity, worship team, tech team? Where where do you find the strength and energy spiritually to do all that? In God's presence. And so, is, is it meaningful in my life? Is it something that's significant? And there's that habit of life. You know, some of us have been followers of Jesus since uh, early in life. I came to faith in the Lord, age six, Good News Club, right? So, at 71, do the math, you subtract six from 71. You know, I've, I've been... I've been in this Christian life thing my whole life. I used to joke with my friends. Well, I still joke with my friends. I've been Grace Brethren since six months, or nine months before I was born. You know, it's all I've ever known. But I came to personal faith in Jesus about the age of six. And learning to live this life and learning to serve the Lord, and where do you find the energy to do what He calls you to do? Where do you find the the spiritual vitality? I can tell you where not to find it. You won't find it on the evening news. You won't find it on your television. You won't find it through Netflix. You won't find it on Facebook or Twitter or any of that other stuff. There's only one place you're going to find it. That's time alone with the Lord and draw on, on, on His presence and His strength. So I, I say to myself, so Roy, Roy, how you doing? You know, where, where, where do I, where do I, you know, it, it's good to take inventory sometimes in your life, right? So, uh-huh, that was kind of weak, but that's okay. Uh, I think I heard Tom say, uh-huh. Um, we need that quality, quality time. Um, for many of us, time alone with the Lord is kind of like a spare tire. Now, the newest cars, anyone just buy a car in the last year where you don't have a spare tire? That's a little scary. But most people have a spare tire in their car. And the spare tire is there for security. It does that for you Gives you a little security. But it's there because you're hoping to avoid that there's going to be an emergency in your life where you have to... I know, Dave, you're going to tell me call Auto Club again. Well, that's fine. But somebody's got to put that spare on, whether it's you or, you know, Joe with Auto Club. Um, but so, so many times our prayer life is kind of like that. It's a spare tire. It's there just in case for emergencies. And it's good to be prepared because prayer is a good a good, uh, good response to emergencies in your life, isn't it? But are you really prepared to pray in an emergency if you're not in the regular habit of quality time alone with the Lord? When I go out on a long bicycle ride, I've learned from experience. I carry two tubes, and uh, because I don't like to pump up my, my t- tubes after I a flat, I carry two CO2 canisters so I can just and inflate the tire without having to you know, do that pumping thing. And so I'm prepared for emergencies. I've got the tools. I've got the equipment. I'm ready if if I have emergencies. I had three flats last week. I haven't had a flat in six months. Anyway, so I'm prepared for emergencies. But first thing I do every morning when I pull my bike down off the hook in the garage is I prepare to go out I check the air in my tires. And if there's not the necessary amount of air in that tire, I pump it to that level. I do that every time before I ride. I I have a routine called ABC quick check. Check my air, my brakes, my chain, and my quick release on my tires so the wheels don't fall off. I have a routine every morning before I go for a bike ride. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. And then I'm prepared for emergencies. I kind of think that's a good philosophy and strategy in, in my spiritual life. I'm ready for emergencies. I have a God that can handle them. And, and when that emergency happens, I'll be talking to him. But I'm prepared ahead of time. How you doing? How you doing in this quality time with the Lord? And the question I would ask is what changes do I need to make or what changes do you need to make to make it a priority in your life? Is that quality time all that it should be? And if not, what changes should I make? One of the things I learned many, many things from Ray Comfort. Some of you will recognize his name. Uh, I learned many things from Ray Comfort, but one of the things that he says that I like a lot is he says, no Bible, no breakfast. <laughs> so what does that little mantra mean? What does that little sentence mean? No Bible, no breakfast. What's that mean? First priority is what? Read your Bible. Then you can have breakfast. And I like that a lot. That's, that's kind of where I live right now. You know, I, I want to spend my time with the Lord. Then it's time for breakfast. And so... I've, I've put together kind of some ideas for you that, that we're going to look at here. Um, how, do you, how do you make it more vital? How do you make it more critical in your life? Well, the first thing is to make a conscious decision that you're going to make it a priority in your life. It's not just going to happen as and when it kind of works out and it's convenient. I choose to make it a priority. And then start small. Don't try to start at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Don't try to start with an hour. Start small. You know, start with ten minutes. If ten minutes is too much time, start with five. But start somewhere, right? Start small with the vision of kind of growing that time alone with the Lord. Grow that time. I remember when I was pastoring in Modesto, one of the men in our church, Dr. Paul Calhoun, was a dermatologist. And I just learned so much about prayer from Paul. You know, everyone thinks you're supposed to learn about stuff from the pastor. Well, guess what? There's stuff you can teach me. And uh, Paul was just an amazing man committed to prayer. Um, He built a little building on the back of his property where he lived, uh, his little prayer room. And if you saw it, you probably would have thought it was a kid's playhouse. Nope, this was Paul's prayer closet. And so he built this special little room. On the back of his property, on one wall was this beautiful map of the world. Because Paul prayed for missionaries, and he valued the, the work of missionaries. So he had a, a map on the wall, and he, he had notebooks where he kept track of his prayer requests. And, and that was his solitude. To leave, go away by himself, quiet place, and pray. I, I learned a lot from Paul. He made it a priority, and he had a plan. And he put that plan to work in that That quiet place. So start small. You don't need to build a prayer closet this week, right? Start small. Um, But have a time and a place for regular prayer. Have a time and a place. You know, for me, I've got my my lazy boy chair in the corner there under the lamp. And uh, when I get up in the morning, my my first priority is a big glass of water because I want to be hydrated and we don't need to talk about that problem. But then I go to my chair with my Bible. And that's my, my corner. Most of the time, Andrea has her place right across from me on the, on the sofa. That's where she camps out with her Bible and her prayer notebooks. But I have a time and a place. It's good to have a regular time and a regular place. You have a plan. You have a time and a place. Have a plan, a strategy. It might just be a blank sheet of paper and you might read some scriptures. You might jot some thoughts, some notes to yourself. Uh, You might keep track of your prayer requests. That's kind of a good idea. What's the best, biggest benefit of writing down prayer requests? Checking them off when they're answered. Exactly. That becomes kind of exciting, doesn't it? You're praying and here's an answer. Wow. Uh, God is good. You know, sometimes prayers get answered uh, pretty quickly. Um, I, I don't even know if I should share this story, but... Yesterday, my my wife and I uh, spent four hours with her older sister and her husband. My brother-in-law, who's also Roy, by the way, that's a little challenging in some families, but he's been fighting liver cancer for seven years. And uh, yesterday we went there to... Our purpose in being there was to help her get him down to the hospital for a COVID test so he could have a procedure done on Monday. And so we were there for about four hours and uh, prayed around his bed together and just prayed that God would uh, either wake him up so we could get him to the hospital or and I prayed in, in God's time and God's plan Roy's ready to go to be with you in your time release him and let him go and 15 minutes after I left he took off for heaven <laughs> took off for heaven. And uh, so all those other plans medically that were supposed to happen this next week, COVID test, everything else, don't need to worry about those because he's running and jumping and praising the Lord this morning in heaven. And I'm excited. God God answered my prayer, not as fast as I thought, but you know, um, but keep, keep a track. Keep a little notebook or something in your Bible or at your place. Uh, So have a plan, have a strategy. Uh, One of my strategies in prayer that I frequently use, some of you are familiar with the acrostic acts, A-C-T-S. I find that's helpful to me because it keeps me from being focused on asking for stuff and it keeps me focused first on relationship. So I start with the A of acts, which stands for adoration. And so my my focus as I begin is focusing on who God is his attributes his character his person and and worshipping him because he's the immutable unchangeable God that Maggie reminded us this morning and and as we sing and, and worship you know that's sometimes I sing when I in this kind of a thing too but so I start with with adoration and then C stands for confession So, Lord, is there anything going on in my life that you and I need to talk about? And, oh, yesterday I lost my patience with my wife. You know, whatever it is. (laughs) You know, so I have adoration, I have confession, and then thanks. So adoration is focused on who he is. Thanks is focused on what he does. And so thank you for this. Thank you for that. And then finally, I'm ready for supplication, which is my request, the stuff that I'm asking for. But because of that four-step outline, A-C-T-S, my first focus is relationship before asking for stuff. And that, that kind of helps me keep it all in balance. So have a plan, have a strategy. Uh, sometimes it, it's helpful to have a little accountability. It might be your wife or your husband. It might be a friend. It might be someone else in our church family. But uh, just talking with them and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to be a little more faithful. I'm trying to be a little more diligent. Would you pray for me? And would you kind of check in with me once a week and kind of ask me how I'm doing and, and kind of hold me accountable? I, 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 does anyone else need accountability in their life? You know, most of us avoid it like the plague, but we need it. Um, so ask someone to help you. And then, of course, the last two, get started and keep at it. Keep at it. Several years ago, the... Rose Parade was stopped, came to a total, complete stop, because one of the floats ran out of gas, (laughs) ran out of gas, on national television, actually worldwide television, ran out of gas, going down Colorado Boulevard, and so they had to send runners to go get gas, to fill it back up, so it could finish the parade, so... Of all, of all the companies in the world whose name could be plastered on the side of that float, the absolute worst name to be plastered on that side of the float would be the words Standard Oil Company. <laughs> it's like, well, talk about embarrassing. Talk about running out of gas. It could, could have been Days Auto Club. <laughs> I, I would have liked that even better. So here's the bottom line. Don't be like the standard oil, oil float. Don't be like that float and run out of gas. Make time alone with the Lord a priority in your life. And if you need someone to come alongside and pray for you and help you to do that, do that. Make it a priority. Lord, we love you this morning. We freely acknowledge that. We love you. We're grateful for who you are. We're grateful for all you do for us. And we confess in our heart of hearts that uh, we struggle with this priority in our lives. We struggle with regular, consistent, faithful time alone with you. So many other things crowd into our lives. The busyness of our schedules, our attachment to things that are important to us, whether it's the television at night or tv news there's there's things that just fill and occupy our lives and i pray this morning that by your holy spirit you would just kind of poke and prod at us a little bit my purpose this morning is not to lay a guilt trip on people but to encourage to instruct to challenge lord i i can be more faithful i can be more diligent And I suspect all of us would agree with that. We can be more faithful. We can be more diligent. We can make time alone with you a greater priority. And so, Lord, I simply ask that for each one, each one especially here who has those uh, sermon notes in their hands, that there's a little commitment spot where they can fill in what their commitment is this morning, that they're going to spend time with you alone. Make that our commitment to treasure and to value relationship with the eternal God. To value and treasure relationship with the King, the Sovereign of the universe. To treasure and value relationship and intimacy with you. Lord, elevate in my life, elevate in each of our hearts and lives, that priority and that value of getting to know you better. Help us to do that, Lord. We struggle, we fail. Help us. And thank you that you are our helper. Thank you that you are our strength. And so we commit ourselves afresh this morning. We commit ourselves afresh to quality time with you. We do that in the name of Jesus, for His glory, for our good. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.
1: If you'll just stand for this last song. And we sing praise to Jesus.
0: God, the sovereign of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, looks forward to quality time with you and me, right? We should be staggered by that, shouldn't we? Why should he care? But that's his his heart. That's his ambition. And so as you go this morning, go with that expectation that he wants to meet with you because he wants to enable you and empower you to live in that world out there, right? And to serve him well. So go with that thought this morning. Serve Jesus. Serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords. To Him be all glory and praise and honor and dominion. Amen and amen. Amen. Have a great week.